0: Welcome to Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman, along with Frank Ost. Frankie, welcome. Yeah, it's great to be here. July 18th, Today in Rock History. 1964, four seasons hit the top of the charts for the fourth time with their hit Ragdoll. Nice. Remember Bobby Fuller, I Fought the Law and the Law Won? The Law Won. Found dead in a car in Hollywood just 22 years old.
1: Wow. I, didn't, I didn't, I'd never heard that one, so thank you for that.
0: A car driven in 1969 by Senator Senator <laughs> Ted Kennedy plunged off a narrow wooden bridge in a tidal pond after leaving a party in Chappaquiddick. Quick, spell Chappaquiddick.
1: Yeah, that was the that was the incredible July of sixty That We'll go down in infamy for lots of different reasons.
0: Jeez, Kennedy escaped. His passenger, Mary Jo Kopechne, died. Yeah, Senator believe, later huh? convicted <laughs> of leaving the scene of an accident. Yes. 1970, a year later, Deep Purple and Pink Floyd played a free concert in London, mm. Hyde Park. And then in 1974, a U.S. Justice Department uh, ordered John Lennon out of the country. You there, there, out. That was because of a 1968 marijuana possession charge. Marijuana possession things, charge. Yeah. The U.S. Court of Appeals overturned the deportation. A year later, Lennon was then granted permanent resident status. Mm-hmm. 1983 Abbey Road Studios was open to the public. You ever think about maybe touring the studios? I know a, a friend or two who have done that. I'd love to. Of course, I'd have to be in England to do that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that made it more that, that has made it one of the city's most popular tourist destinations, oh, I'm sure it is, yeah. So Paul Simon and Ark Funkel on the same day, July 18th, 1983 began a 19 city tour. Their first stop not New York, not California, not even Vegas. The Rubber Bowl in Akron. Nice. Did you go? No, I did not. <laughs> I asked my friend Tim Doherty, who worked for years and years as program director on air personality at WONE, seven five in Akron. Sure. And that was before his time there, but he didn't go. And I didn't go. I didn't even know it was going to happen. And why Akron?
1: Yeah, of all things. And why the Rubber Bowl? That was one of the... Oddest if you've ever saw it or remember it, it was one of the oddest places. Yeah,
0: call it up on YouTube. You'll see what we mean. <laughs> you'll, you'll definitely see what we mean. Billy Joel played his one hundredth concert at Madison Square Garden four years ago today. He became the first musician to do that at that at the garden. Wow. One hundred. So he's still playing them too. I That's think incorrect. he said as long as people buy tickets, we'll keep we'll playing. We'll still there keep playing yeah. when we can. Birthdays: Red Skelton. That had to be one of your folks' oh favorites. Oh my God, I'm
1: sure it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nelson. He was born in 1913. Nelson Mandela, 1918. Oh, okay. John Glenn, the astronaut, soon to be senator for Ohio, 1921. Remember the song "I Put a Spell on You"? Screamin' Jay Hawkins. Yeah. He was born in 1929 in. Cleveland, Ohio. Ian Stewart, keyboardist, co founder of the Rolling Stones, 1938. Brian Auger is 83 years old today.
1: Oh, what a great uh, organist, uh, keyboardist, uh, terrific. You've talked
0: about him in our Download Discovery segment, haven't you? Dion DiMucci is also 83 today. James Brolin, the husband of uh, Barbara Streisand, has had a good career in his own right, 1940. Mm And Martha Reeves of The Vandellas, 1941. Actor Vin Diesel, 1955. Wow. Concert calendar time, Frankie, on the uh, 19th, tomorrow night. Rod Stewart and Cheap Trick will be at Blossom Music Center. You're going to go? No. Back in the day, I, I might well have gone. At, you know, Those are
1: both very good live
0: acts. Yeah, and, uh, you, you can buy earplugs there for a dollar. Oh, there you go. And I might oh, just do that. That's all that you need. Earth, Wind & Fire, MGM Center Stage on Saturday the 30th. Okay. And Elton John's Farewell Yellowbrook Road Tour at Progressive Field on Saturday, the same night. The never-ending. Never-ending. And we talked about how Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band announced their international tour. The dates have been set. That starts in late April and goes through the end of July. But in the United States, February 1st, circle the calendar, Tampa will be the first date for his U.S. tour. Those dates were just announced recently. And coming to Cleveland toward the end of the U.S. tour on April 5th. That's a Wednesday night. No doubt will be at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Exciting news. Okay, Frankie, for lack of better titles, soon-to-be big hits that debuted this week. Making our way through the years, this is 1968, the week of July 18th. This is what Vanilla Fudge was doing. <laughs> they re-released You Keep Me Hanging On, because it only peaked at, like, number 67 a year earlier. But as you know from last week's episode, we mentioned that one, too. Vanilla Fudge, You Keep Me Hanging On, which is such a cool it's, remake. Of it's a, a great, great
1: song. song, and... Um One of those that was done supposedly in one take. Supposedly.
0: (laughs) It debuted at number 73. This time around, it would hit the top 10, peaking at number 6. And Wolf. Their debut single debuted at number 70 that week in 1968 on the Billboard Hot 100 the Bible. You yeah, know. and that was the song that actually gave us the term heavy metal. And it peaked at number two for three weeks. It spent 13 weeks on the Hot 100. So it That's debuted one. Yeah. this time of year, July 18th, 1968. deep cuts from top albums. I have one from the Eagles. You know, Don Henley was our featured artist last week. Sure. And he and Glenn Frey took turns with this song called King of Hollywood. They didn't do a lot of uh, back and forth on their songs, did they? No. no. King of Hollywood from the long run released in September of 79, a casting couch type of song long before the Me Too movement took place, right? final studio tour, uh, album rather, for the Eagles until that Hell Freezes Over" tour in 1994. That's right, yeah. We've mentioned this a time or two they need to take a break. King of Hollywood was the first nickname of Douglas Fairbanks Sr., and then later passed on to actor Clark Gable. Oh, okay, sure. But it has a little different meaning to it if you listen to the lyrics. Uh, rumor has it Don Henley was upset about not being cast in a Hollywood Western Oh, film. Really? Yeah, funny because we talked about a desperado being a a, a
1: A cowboy. Cowboy. (laughs) Maybe he wanted to
0: do a cowboy film, and so was upset upset with Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Last track in side one also features the title cut, "The Long Run in the City," and I can't tell you why all on side one. Wow! My goodness gracious! But if you have, if you listen to those songs, don't pick up the stylus or turn off the CD because King of Hollywood. It's like a six-minute song, but it's worth every second. I love that song. Definitely. And, um, you know, that album has sold over 8 million copies of its release.
1: It sure has.
0: 43 kind of, years ago.
1: As we've talked in the past, it kind of summed up the 70s in a perfect way, the long run. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so it's a really good song from the long run, The Eagles, King of Hollywood. Good one. How about you, Frank?
1: Well, I've got uh, TBC 15 by David Bowie from Station to Station. <laughs> The fun cut leads off off the second side of Bowie's most underrated album. It starts as a simple piano groove, like something out of the 1950s, played by E-Streeter Roy Batan. Even Bowie's vocal intro features uh, 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 uh-uh-uh-uh-uh right out of the Sha-na-na songbook. Suddenly, the song takes a turn and we get some lethal dual-lead guitar from Carlos Alomar and Earl Slick. Now, I've tried to figure out for years what the lyrics are about. <laughs> it's obviously satire, and seems to be referring to the subject losing his girlfriend in his TV. Considering the amount of cocaine that was being injected to fuel their 24-hour recording sections, I guess that makes sense. Reviewing for the Village Voice, Robert Christgau deemed TVC-15 his favorite piece of rock and roll in a very long time, and wrote... Spaciness has always been Bowie shtick, and anyone who can merge Lou Reed, disco, and Doctor John <laughs> deserves to keep it going for five minutes and twenty-nine seconds. <laughs> so that's a good
0: one. That was uh, the same album that uh, had Golden Years. Golden oh,
1: Years okay. on there. Stay uh, is on there also, and. Uh, course station to station is of like an 11 minute uh, uber song <laughs> Odyssey. to start the whole thing off tvc
0: one five was on station to station second single from the album and it topped out only at number 64 as a release in the summertime
1: exactly uh bowie was never big uh, as far as singles on the charts and this was no different <laughs> golden years
0: did better but uh, this one's good too Best instrumentals category, Frankie. I kind of stumbled on this recently doing some, uh, you know, research work. And I love, you know, how much I love Marshall Tucker Band absolutely, and, and Southern yeah. Rock. And you want a nice rocking song that's only about three minutes and 48 seconds long. So it doesn't go on and on forever. Gotcha. It's called Long Hard Ride from uh, the album uh, Long Hard Ride. It makes sense. So it's easy yeah, to find, absolutely. right? <laughs> June 1976. It's the album of the same name a year before their hit album, California Dreams, which featured her in a love song. A long, hard ride, maybe a, not a top album, but, boy, you want to hear some good instrumental country rock, that thing is great.
1: Yeah, and how often do you hear an instrumental song be the lead song to an album? You know, that's not,
0: yeah. that's not usually done. Not usually done. It's kind of a movie trailer type of thing. It was made into, uh, you can see the, the horses and the, the 38 Special used to do that <laughs> kind of stuff. Or sure. Bob Seeger a little later on with um, Against the Wind. Anyway, produced by Paul Hornsby, no relation to Bruce. Oh, okay. So it's long, hard ride. It's a Marshall Tucker band. It's a really, really good song. And like I said, it doesn't go on forever.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a good one. How
0: about you? Well, I've got,
1: uh, and I'm, I'm back again with the, the um, TV themes, Miami Vice theme by Jan Hammer. "Vice" is a musical piece composed by Jan Hammer, uh, a jazz fusion keyboard player. It was first presented as part of the debut dele- television broadcast of the show in September of 1984, and was released as a single in 1985 and peaked at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. It also kind of uh, marked the end of an era for these instrumentals we've been featuring. It was the last instrumental to hit to top the top 100 until 2013. Really? When Harlem Shake by Bauer released uh reached number 1. No kidding. So, you know, kind of an end of an era. No
0: TV themes. They well, Seinfeld kind of put an end to that, it, didn't they?
1: Exactly. But
0: Friends uh, was a TV theme, but it wasn't an instrumental. It
1: definitely wasn't instrumental.
0: <laughs> Pull it up on YouTube Pull it up on YouTube. You'll you'll have a little chuckle. A little chuckle, a little yeah. It's funny. I was looking at that Miami Vice theme, MVT. It's kind of like MTV, only reversed Ooh, a little bit. That's right. Yeah. You know Jan is a Czech American musician?
1: He sure is. And uh, I know he did a lot of work with uh, people like Jeff Beck, that mm-hmm. we've mentioned many times on this show.
0: Yeah, he became a naturalized citizen in the U.S. way back in 1978. And just four years ago, he released his first album in 10 years. Wow. Jan Hummer. Not Hammer, but hammer. Exactly. He's good. I like that <laughs> he song. sure is. One-Hit Wonder Time, Frankie. I found this one. I was kind of digging through some old singles of mine, and I found this from 1978, Trying to Love 2, by William Bell.
2: Trying to love too
3: Ain't easy to do When you're trying to love too It sure ain't easy to do
2: I've got a woman at home As sweet as can be A woman on the outside Crazy about me of a three-way love affair, caught up in this triangle, can't go nowhere. Trying
3: to love two, sure, ain't easy to do. When you're trying to love two, all it's easy to do. Now
2: I need to be three men in one to get my job done.
0: I need a, a number day. 10 hit for him, and number one R&B, R&B hit The Pride of Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. He released about a half dozen songs prior to this one, but none of them did any better than number 45 on the Billboard Hot 100. Yet yeah, this one made it to number 10 on the Hot 100 and number one R&B. You know, that William Bell first signed to the Stax label. S-T-A-X, Stax, oh, yeah. a songwriter that featured notable artists like the Staple Singers, Isaac Hayes, Sam and Dave, and Otis Redding. Sure. He's 82 now. Oh. And still doing his thing, he released uh, over a dozen albums over the years, starting in 1967, and his latest released in 2016. Wow, This one, entitled This Is Where I Live, from six years ago, won William a Grammy for Best Americana Album. Now, that award started in 2010.
1: Interesting. So he is a Grammy winner.
0: But he he did it at, like, age 76 or something like that. It's Trying to Love 2. It's William Bell. Trying to Love 2 kind of sounds like, uh, what was it, Torn Between Two Lovers? Kind of sounds like (laughs) the same theory. (laughs) He probably got the idea, and a year later thought, you know what, I can put a little groove to it and maybe make it sound better than that Mm. sleepy, kind of whiny Mary McGregor. Exactly. Top five singles, July 18th, 1979. We were right in the middle of our disco era, weren't we, Frankie? We we were kind of uh, coming to an end to it. The the end was in sight. The end was in sight. (laughs) Number five for the second week in a row, She Believes in Me, Kenny Rogers. That's right, yes. Ricky Lee Jones, we're going to talk about her. Sure are. Today, Uh, Chuck Ease and Love, number four for the second week in a row. That's right. Number three, second week in a row, Hot Stuff by Donna Summer. Oh, boy, yeah. Down a notch, ring my bell, and need a ward. And not to be outdone, Bad Girls into the number one spot for Donna Summer. The Again, first team, wow, first she had team, two of the top seven, three. Yep, and they both went to number one. This time Bad Girls was beginning its five week run at the top of the charts, only to be replaced, thank goodness. By the Knack and My Sharona, which to me ended disco. It
1: really did.
0: (laughs) Thank goodness.
1: Yeah, we've kind of talked about that song before, and uh, it was time.
0: Artists who debuted at number one or number two. Mm -hmm. You you'll remember this one. England Dan and John Ford Coley. They spent uh, two weeks at uh, number two. In 1976 with a song you just can't get away from, even to this day. I'd really love to see you oh, tonight. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. This song spent almost a half a year on the Billboard Hot 100. It Not the top really? 40, but oh the my Hot God, 100. That's 24 incredible. weeks. Hello,
3: yeah, it's been a while. Not much. How about you? not sure why I called I guess I really just wanted to talk to you and I was thinking maybe later on we could get together for a while it's been such a long time and a
2: tonight
3: <laughs> We could go walking through Windy Park Take a drive along the beach Stay at home and watch TV <laughs> Kept out
0: of the top spot really by Cleveland's Wild TV. Cherry. Play that funky music. Oh, that's right. Summer yeah, that of 76. That was Don't Go Breaking My Heart and There's some good albums and stuff. Silk Degrees was out, sure, in 76. In our continuing series of rock or psychedelic Mm -hmm. versus pop, this time around it's rock versus pop and it's 1970. The, I guess, the second week, January 10th, you know, freezing cold, 1970. I don't remember it, but I'm sure we were freezing cold here in Lake Ohio. The rock song at number 19 was evil woman don't play your games with me My wow. like crow yeah, sounds like something from blood sweat and tears or guess who it does a former number number one uh, one head Eyes wonder of was. march something yeah, like exactly. that
1: about the the, uh, the horns. For years, I the trumpet player in me has tried unsuccessfully to find out who plays the solo in the middle section. Well, the record label had Crow add horns in the studio even though they didn't have a horn section. And nowhere were the players ever listed. So uh, Crow's problem became that when they toured, they couldn't reproduce the sound uh, when they performed the song live. <laughs> A few months after Crow's record, an unknown band by the name of Black Sabbath released a cover version of this for their very first single. Did they? Even Ike and Tina Turner changed the gender to Evil Man and gave it a try. Sadly, though, neither record would make the top 100. I don't think
0: either one can do as well as Crow did. No,
1: not certainly not Crow with their phony
0: (laughs) horn section that they never really had. And out of nowhere came Crow, that former one had Wonder, by the way. That was uh, mentioned during our Alan Parsons uh, episode, which began our calendar year in January, way back in January this year. And
1: uh, like I said, I literally tried for years to figure out who, who it was. Maybe it was somebody I knew, but nope. It truly cannot be found, at least not that I could find.
0: Well, I know who didn't do it. It was not <laughs> Jeff Porcaro or Tom Scott. Exactly. exactly <laughs> Played right. those instruments. Number 18 was Vanity Fair, Early in the Morning. Oh, yeah. The
3: evening is a time Some so much yellow, something in the early morning meadow Tells me that today you're on your way and you'll be coming home, home to me Nighttime isn't here
0: Vanity Fair, that UK group, uh followed this one up with Hitchin' a Ride, which I like, I like them both. I like Hitchin' a Ride a little bit better.
1: Yeah, then that was, uh, I think it was a little
0: bigger of hit. Yeah, top five yeah. in July of 1970. So, number 19, Evil Woman. Don't play your games with me. Number 18, Early in the Morning, Vanity Fair. Nice. New category of ours, Frankie. Great start. Then, dot, dot, dot. We've already talked about Walter Egan, Jerry Rafferty, Don McClain. Mm-hmm. Now, Ricky Lee Jones. Mm.
1: talk about a great start. Born on the north side of Chicago in 1954. Now the words overnight sensation are chronically overused in the music business. Usually you find out they've been in the business for 10 years. But this time it really applied. Ricky was 24 years old with no previous music experience when her debut album, Ricky Lee Jones, was released in March of 1979. Before they'd even released a single, her appearance as a complete unknown on Saturday Night Live uh, on April 7th, 1979, sparked kind of Ricky Mania. Yeah. That night, she performed "Chucky's in Love" and Coolsville. Then her first professional show in Boston was covered by Time Magazine, and her her <laughs> and they dubbed her the Duchess of Coolsville. <laughs> Touring the, after the singles relief. She was already playing Carnegie Hall by July. Following those performances, Jones appeared on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Photographed by Annie Leibovitz, Mm -hmm. the cover showed Jones posing in a crouched stance, wearing a black bra and white beret. It became the largest selling issue in the magazine's history up to that point. The album jumped to number three on the charts, and although she has released 15 albums since, Never has made it back to the top thirty.
0: Yeah, you can almost envision if you don't have the album in front of you or the CD, the the brown hats, you know, exactly the little beret. Ricky Lee Jones, Chucky's in Love, went to number four. Young Blood, which I liked also, right, went to number forty. You mentioned the Grammy awards that she won. She was nominated in four other categories. That's that right. Year, and her yes. old friends helped out in the debut album. They were. Michael McDonald, who was seemingly helping out everybody then. Sure. Randy Newman, and Jeff Beccaro and Tom Scott. Yeah. By then, Jeff was in Toto, and they had come off that gigantic debut album of theirs. Um, I was surprised that she didn't do better. I, I never had a chance to see her in
1: concert. Well, it's funny that um, they say the reason she even got signed in the first place is that her boyfriend was Tom Waits. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> that sometimes it's not what you know; it's who it's you know. Who
1: you know, and uh, with that kind of bohemian—that's
0: um, yeah, a good way to put it—bohemian
1: look to her, yeah. she was just perfect. Coming out of the disco era, you know, kind of now we're getting into the punk type thing. And she was, like Patti Smith before her, kind of had a look, although she was a lot better looking than poor Patti, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) A lot more photogenic, let's put it that way. It's
0: funny what MTV can do for an artist, a new artist, especially like uh, David Letterman, uh, certainly Johnny Carson. Uh, American Bandstand was like that. Maybe not. The, it's earlier than that, or sure. Soul Train, you know, sure. you, these debut artists would appear on Saturday Night Live, and off they went. And believe me when I say
1: that the, these were the only places you could see them back then. Right. You could not... There's no if, video. There was no nope. video stations, nope. and there was, uh, like I said, there was no... Uh, they had to literally set up monitors in... Um, existing record stores to get their video So you play. know you saw that, yeah. Yeah, that's now, the only
0: way you would see it. Midnight Special, Rock, uh, Don Kirshner's Rock Concert. Exactly. But those were on Friday nights, and a lot of at, those were already known artists. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: why they called it the Midnight Special, yeah. because it was
0: on at midnight. Well, they might not put Ricky <laughs> Lee Jones on, but Saturday Night Live was a really good vehicle for someone like that, wasn't it? It sure
1: was. It was perfect. And you, know, you talk about how somebody can come out of nowhere. That spot... And that show was so hot in in the late 70s yeah. that everybody kind of watched it. And it was kind of uh, one of those things that you wanted to be a part of.
0: Boy, we needed a jolt like that to knock us out of the disco doldrums, the Anita Wards. And uh, it was so refreshing in the spring of 79 to hear Chucky's In Love out of nowhere. And you could hear uh, Joe Jackson, whatever. But we were looking for female artists to bust out. Stevie Nicks was still a couple of years away. Linda Ronstadt had such success. But... Was kind of moving in a different direction in yeah, 1980.
1: Yeah, she, kind of, she was. She was kind of going with the uh, American sound. Yeah,
0: she did time. a new wave type of album in mm-hmm. 1980, and then she moved into the standards. And so we were kind of looking for somebody. Pat Benatar hadn't yet really debuted that we knew. Right, so right. Uh, Chucky's in Love, I thought that was going to be a perfect way for uh, somebody like uh, a Bohemian type of artist like Ricky Lee Jones. Well,
1: she seemed she seemed literally, like I said, to have the world at her feet. Yeah. And uh, how? How it didn't take off from there, I'll never know.
0: (laughs) Follow-up singles, Lucky Guy and The Real End, never made it above the 60s in 1981 and 84. And that was kind of over for her, but it was And it was, yes. Rock releases the week of July 18th, 1966, The Fifth Dimension by The Birds. Oh, nice. The Soft Parade by The Doors, three years later. Master of Reality, Black Sabbath, 1971. Ooh. 1972, Never a Dull Moment. That's Rod Stewart. Yeah, great. Stevie Wonder, Fulfillingness's first finale. I don't think f- Fulfillingness's is a word. I don't think so either, but boy, what a great album. That that's a good one. 1974. My Aim is True. That's Elvis Costello, 1977. Moody Blues, Every Good Boy Deserves Favor. Spelled F A V O U R, The Moody Blues, with two O's, 1971. <laughs> uh- Good stuff. That was uh, only six or seven releases getting toward the latter part of the summer. People probably are putting their stuff together and maybe just finishing up their tours. Right. And then maybe getting the big releases ready for Christmas Closer to the
1: holidays. Yeah. Thanksgiving and Christmas.
0: Featured artist time Frankie Robert Palmer, Robert Allen Palmer, born in January 1949
3: in the UK. Said the fight to make ends meet. Keeps a man up on his feet. And to show he can't be bought Who takes every kind of people To make what life's about, yeah Every kind of people To make the world go down Someone's looking for a lead
0: He passed away in Paris in 2003 following a heart attack he was just 54 years I, old and that's so sad when I you know when, when I heard that
1: um, he was such a beacon uh, to that um, kind of MTV generation that we kind of grew up watching his videos yeah it was fun it was really fun to watch his his ideas take shape
0: and you look at a guy like that with those videos you just think forever young Cool. Absolutely, Young. he will always have that little tie and yeah.
1: white shirt, you know, crisply uh, adorned. You know, flanked
0: by top fashion models, exactly. Cool videos, uh, cool singer in the Brian Ferry vein, Barry White, and yeah, you had Physicades a feeling that and...
1: it came easy.
0: Maybe. Yeah. You know, he wasn't interested in the many excesses of the rock and roll lifestyle, but he sure put away 60 cigarettes a day. Oh, my God. Which led to no that wonder, uh, yeah, No attack. wonder he uh,
1: left, left us early, oh, because that's, that's way over.
0: He time. won. It's way over. He won two Grammy Awards and an MTV Music Video Award. Back then, they meant something. Oh, absolutely. So they don't play did. videos yeah. anymore. I don't even know why they still have the show. Exactly. Sorry, I don't even know when it is. 1974, Sneak and Sally through the alley, which I think everybody knows. That's right. Uh, pressure drop 1975 every year they've had some out a year later some people can do what they like then double fun in 1978 a great song to wake up on a sunday morning or any morning every kind of people oh
1: what a fantastic tune number and 16 he had a lot of great tunes uh, we talked about sneak and sally and the, the little uh, um i mentioned it once is the little threesome that they put together that uh, the djs used to play back in the day
0: yeah now, that song, Every Kind of People, hit number 16, his first top 40 hit in the U.S. It was written by Andy Frazier, who was also the bassist for the group Free. You know that Andy joined that band at age 15 years old. Oh, my God. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Secrets came out a year later. A really cool remake of Todd Rundgren's Can We Still Be Friends? Yeah, that's a, I remember that. A staple of Yacht Rock Radio, if you have Sirius M- uh, XM in the summertime. Bad Case of Loving You, Dr. Doctor. Yep. Which, um. The old Moon Martin tune. Yeah, I like it. I'm a little little sick of it, but I do like (laughs) that song. It did
1: get overplayed, yes.
0: 1980 Clues, more of the new wave flavor to it, the video, uh, Looking for Clues, aired on MTV's first day of broadcast, so it was August 1st, 1981. Maybe It's Live, 1982, half studio tracks and half live. Mm-hmm. Pride came out in 1983. Then he put a little something together called Power Station. That's right, yes. You know, Andy Taylor, Duran Duran was on hiatus, so mm-hmm. he joined up. Uh, John Taylor, former chic drummer, Tony Thompson. A couple of hit singles from there, Some Like It Hot and the Bang a Gong song. Oh,
1: what a fantastic record. And if you want to listen to something that smacks of the 80s, if you want to hear the 80s, Along with the Miami Vice uh, that we've talked about not too long ago, this would be right there, that power station record. It's fantastic. (laughs) Some Like It Hot
0: made it to number six, bang a gong, uh, actually made it to number nine, which was a notch higher than T Rex did when he released it. Way back in the day. only live performance with Power Station came in 1985 on Saturday Night Live. That's right. And they, did, and yeah. they
1: They asked him uh, to come back and make the second album and yeah. nope. he just wasn't interested. It, we, that's just not him. They asked him to perform <laughs> on
0: Live Aid. The band was there but he wasn't. Exactly. So, and like we said before, I don't remember Live Aid. I saw bits and pieces, but it certainly, it was a, a huge thing, a huge oh, it day. it
1: was an enormous uh, day, yeah. I
0: just was doing other stuff in my mid-20s. I can, I I mean,
1: And I remember, you know, kind of coming in and out and catching kind of bits and pieces of it.
0: Robert wanted to work on his solo stuff, so he said right. bye to the band and resumed his solo career. And he, I'm glad he did, because the album Riptide came out in November of 85. Do you remember the song <laughs> Addicted to Love and I nominee have, for I Grammy? might have
1: heard it once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> and seen the video. Yeah. It was,
0: you know, they intended that to be a duet with Shaka Khan.
1: I never realized that.
0: No. Nowadays, record labels will let you, I guess they'll let you work with other artists. There's always uh, rap artists featuring... Oh, it's
1: uh, constant. Uh, uh, yeah.
0: Back then, they weren't as hip to that idea. So Shaka Khan was credited with some stuff, but she wasn't able to appear as a duet or even with backing vocals or anything but the uh Ooh, isn't that yeah, the, the, so top of the charts here in the states yeah. and in australia a terrific video with the top fashion models that's right and then a really cool song from a cool singer robert palmer i didn't mean to turn you on wow great soon for a friday night or something like that yeah or any just
1: night. fantastic stuff the time seeing um, them on some show and it could it might have been uh, Saturday Night Live but he had the regular band and they did the dance of the fashion models if you know if you ever seen and I'm sure you've seen the uh, Addicted to Love um, video mm-hmm. they the band did the dance and he couldn't obviously keep from laughing at the whole situation.
0: <laughs> Heavy Nova came out in 1988 that was a Grammy winner for Simply Irresistible That's number That's right 13. what a follow-up yeah. yeah. Simply peaked at number two in the United States. A great, great video, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Addictions, volume one, greatest hits package. That one, platinum in 1989. Don't Explain had 18 tracks on it in 1990, including a cool remake, which we played all the time. You know, by then, Easy 104 had changed its format to soft hits or Q104. It was one of those things. We were transitioning sure. then to get more advertising dollars uh, in the in the coffers. We played a lot of Mercy, Mercy Me, I Want You. Oh, that's right. That was a good one. That's a really good Mm -hmm. remake of Marvin Gaye's song. Released as a single in December 1990, so that was right when I was still on the radio playing that song all the time. I loved it. and High came out a couple years later. That had covers of standards, like Love is the Tender Trap. You'll probably know that as a Sinatra kit. Sure, uh, written by Sammy Kahn and Jimmy Van Heusen, so the, mm. two of the best songwriters of all time. Absolutely. As well as Witchcraft, made popular by Francis Albert himself in 1957. Then came like three more albums that I don't know if you've ever heard of Honey Rhythm and Blues and Drive, but Drive came out in two thousand three so but
1: times had changed,
0: and times yeah. had changed yeah, exactly and the video era while still around was not as. Popular, prevalent, uh, you know.
1: Yeah, it wasn't driving the dollars by that time. No,
0: MTV had moved on to the real world and remote control and Beavis and and Butthead. exactly. Didn't take long either. Really, once you got out of the 80s, MTV was moving on to other things. Uh, For some reason, I wish that they had stuck around a little longer playing the videos. You can still find them if you've got the, like, we have Cox Cable, and they have the MTV The The package yeah. where you
1: get, like, 40 different MTVs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: and I'm sure Addicted to Love and Simply Irresistible will come up there.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's somewhere during their mix. Yeah.
0: Would have been fun to see him in concert, don't you think?
1: Absolutely. Just, uh, I I don't remember him coming around very much. Um, and he may not have because he was kind of known for having a few years between albums and who knows yeah. uh, how that quite worked Maybe out. Maybe he just
0: wasn't day. interested. He wanted to get in the studio and do work there. He wasn't too hip on going out of town and doing exactly. a tour. That's Robert Palmer, our featured artist this week. Thanks for joining me, Frankie. Oh, thanks for having me. Next week, Carol King will be our featured artist. That's, that's a great Two-time one. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee. And so that'll be our featured artist next week. We'll have our other fun categories like Great Start and then dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, it's absolutely. Artists
0: that debuted at number one and number two. That, that's all coming up next week on Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. For Frank Austin, Tim Friedman. We'll see you next time.